You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Power of prayer. Amen? The power of prayer. We know in God's infinite wisdom and sovereignty, it doesn't always turn out with such perfect endings here on earth. But what an example of what happens when God's people band together and petition the throne of heaven with our deepest and most greatest need. And this is our whole prayer series. If you don't have a Bible, you can flip your hand up. We'll get to there in a second. But uh, I shall get you a copy of God's Word into your hands. But this is motivation enough to pray like never before, isn't it? Seeing God hear and answer the prayers of His people. And yet, this isn't the only miraculous answer to prayer we've seen in the short history of our church. We have been so privileged to be a church who's been full of people on their knees praying, and we've seen God do such miraculous things that only He can do in people's lives. We've seen Him save souls. We've seen Him baptize individuals. We've seen sin broken, patterns of sin broken in people's lives. We've seen relationships completely broken on this earth, thinking there's no hope brought back to life. We've seen seen necessities provided. We've seen strength given to stand in the shakiest, most dire of times in people's lives, all through the power of prayer. This highlights the necessity and the urgency in bringing everything to the Lord in prayer. And so we're going to continue with this prayer series, and we're going to get to the third letter of the acrostic pray. We've covered already. We've covered praise. We've covered repentance. Uh, Now we get to the, the, the A, which is ask. I know you've already figured out the ask already as you've looked ahead into the sermon notes, but ask is where we're at today. And, and we just want to remind you that we can never close the door on a person, a situation, or a need until we've collectively stormed the gates of heaven, calling out to God to intervene and intercede in a way that only He can. This is the pr- privilege of believers that we can ask God. We can ask God for the deepest things on our soul, and God hears and He answers our prayers. This is learning to pray the Bible way. It's not just praising God, getting your mind and your heart fixated on the things of God, knowing His unbelievable character and nature. It's not just repenting, making sure your sins are are covered by God and you're walking in a right relationship with Him. It's also asking God for our daily needs, depending on Him for absolutely everything, coming to God as the source of all the good in my life. And once we've praised, once we've repented, you know what God says? He says, ask. Because after we have our minds and hearts fixed on Jesus, after our hearts are cleaned, we are now in a frame of mind and heart that we can actually come to God and know what to pray for and how to pray. And so once we're there, God says, ask. Ask. Like a father loves it when his kids come to him and ask for things. It shows the openness and intimacy and dependency on him. So the Lord loves his children, expressing their deepest desires of their hearts to him. Just like I love it when my kids come and ask me for things, so God loves it when his children ask him for what matters most to us. And since everything comes from God already, asking him for things is something we ought not to be ashamed of or afraid of in our prayer lives. Again, I don't want to get into this, this, see, we seem to be pendulum people, right? So we go from all asking, all asking, all asking, to then we read this book we're going through, we hear a sermon series, then we, we all praise, all praise, all praise, we don't ask. Well, the, it's all complete together. We need to praise God, repent to God, and then ask Him for what is on our hearts. Do you realize in the Scriptures God invites us to ask Him for things? Do you realize in the Scriptures God commands us to ask Him for things? This is not just our greatest privilege, it's also our duty before the Lord. It says many places in the scriptures, Matthew 7, 7, Matthew 21, 22, Mark 11, 24, John 16, 24. Ask and you will receive. It's qualifiers though. John 14, verses 13 and 14, it says this. Ask whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that my father may be glorified in the son. So we ask, but we ask in God's name so that God gets the most glory. And when we do this, when we ask in the name of God for the glory of God, He will do it. The most primitive form of prayer, the most common form of prayer in the Scriptures is asking. It's bringing our petitions and intercessions before the Lord. Not just asking for ourselves, but petitions and intercessions. Asking for others, praying for all the saints, realizing that those around us that we love need more than anything else, they need God. And saying, you know what, maybe you even can't pray right now, but I will pray to God on your behalf. Asking for the things of soul for the things of our physical being that need the Lord. 
Supplication and requests will come up often when it comes to prayer in the scriptures. This is praying for myself, the things coming to God and saying, God, today I need, God, from today I desire, God, I need you to come through for me. Whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom, according to what Charles Spurgeon says. Whether we like it or not, asking is the rule to the kingdom. And asking God for things is what actually spurs on the activity of God here on earth. So we don't ask, God doesn't move. So we're going to look at this morning, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. You can turn with me there. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. To show us how we ought to be praying and seeking the Lord and asking God. We've covered some of this in the first, some of this in the first series of Jeremiah 33. When, when we learn that God wants us to call to Him and He will answer us and show us great and mighty things. And then this one unpacks for us how we are to specifically ask. Let me re- read it for you and then we're just going to dive in and unpack this in three quick points this morning. The parable of the persistent widow. This is God's desire for us as we come to Him in our times of prayer, both collectively and individually. And He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to Him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, to him who who cried to him day and night? So so what they're saying, saying is God's not like the judge. God's so different than the judge. He's opposite the judge. If this is how an unrighteous judge would respond to someone who's bothering him, will not God, a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of justice, give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith like this woman here on earth? So we see clearly this is a picture of what God, there's a lot going on in this passage. I know it's a little confusing. I'm going to try to help you understand this, but also what we see is a picture of how God wants us to come to Him in prayer. And so I'm going to unpack this, but before I do, I'm going to pray. I know we've prayed a lot already this morning, but it doesn't seem right to start a sermon without praying because you do understand this is a supernatural thing that's happening here, right? This isn't just a, a guy giving you an idea on what a pastor says. This is, this is God speaking to us, I pray, through his servant. And so let me get on my knees and pray this morning that God would help us understand and help us apply and help us get fired up for the things of prayer as he is. Now let me pray. If you can pray with me, get on the knees of your heart and pray with me as we come before the Lord this morning. God, we've done a lot of praising this morning. We've done a lot of telling you how much we love you and are thankful for you in our lives. We've seen how you've been at work in people in our church through the power of prayer. God, all these things I pray would stir us up just to have our eyes fixed on you and have our hearts consumed with who you are. But now, God, as we open up your word, our prayer is simple. Speak to us, God. God, we've told you a lot. Speak to us, God. Teach us what it means to pray. We want to pray, God, the Bible way. We want to be a people who you come back to and find as faithful in prayer. And so, God, we need you to take this passage and unpack it in our hearts. We need you to motivate us to pray. We need you to teach us to pray. We need you to cause within us a spirit of prayer to rise up. For the glory of Jesus alone, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Really what this pastor is saying is this. It is our most awesome privilege to ask the Lord for things. And it's God's deepest delight to hear from us and give us what we need. And so uh, just three quick points. First one is this, this morning. As you read this, here's the whole purpose of this pastor. It says it right here in verse chapter 18, verse 1. This is why he told the parable. There's a lot of themes going on here, but this is ultimately why he told us the parable. To show us that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. We'll help you understand some of the themes throughout, but the ultimate purpose of this parable is just to help us to know we ought always to pray and not lose heart. If all these things we're talking about about prayer are true, then ultimately, I can't afford to lose heart in my prayers. Amen? 
If prayer is really as powerful as we say it is, if prayer is really connecting our hearts with God, if prayer is really calling down the activity of God from heaven to earth, then I cannot afford to lose heart in my prayers. So it says right here, to the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Christ, those who have been called out by God, we ought to always pray and not lose heart. Here's what I think Jesus would say to us if he was standing right before us today. I think he would simply say this. Here's my message for you today, my child, my son, or my daughter. Just don't lose heart in your prayers. Isn't it true that we can sometimes feel like our prayers are just going nowhere, and yet God would stand here before us if he was physically here today. He'd simply say this. Don't lose heart in your prayers. I know that some, this is God speaking to you. I know, if, I know sometimes it feels like, sometimes, doesn't it, it feels like your prayers aren't reaching my ears, but I want you to know this today, my loved one. I hear every prayer that comes off of your lips, and I will act. If God was standing here today, he said, I know that sometimes when you pray, my precious son or daughter, I know sometimes it feels like I am so distant, but I want you to know today that I am not distant. I am, in fact, near to you. Even when, I feel, even when I feel far off. And what I long for you as my children to do is not lose heart in your prayers, not give up in prayer, not stop communicating with me in prayer, but to keep on praying the best that you can for the glory of God. God would tell us to pray hard and pray often. This is why he wrote this. It's the same thing he says in Philippians 4, verse 6. When God tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God wants us to pray. He wants us to continually bring our requests to God again and again and again. Asking God for things is not wrong when you know the proper biblical perspective on it. Because God wants to hear and he wants to do things in our lives through our prayers and through our prayers alone. And he is not intimidated by us saying the same thing over and over and over again as we come to him for the things we need the most. I think a lot of times in our lives we understand this. We understand this principle that God wants us to pray, that God wants us to pray over and over. But it's not, it's not a fact that God moves. It's a fact that we lose heart too quickly. You with me? So we believe these things and, and yet we live in this society that is so fast-paced and it's so instant that we sometimes think that God's got to act in the same way as everything else around us. Let's think about it for a minute. Everything we have today is almost instant, isn't it? We've got drive through We have Instagram. We have Keurig coffees now. Microwave meals, text messaging, online banking. And we've become so impatient that if there's ever a line before us, what do we do? Ah, a line. Forget the line, I'll do it online. Right? We're just like, there's only three people. Yeah, but three people. That lady's going to count every penny in her purse, I can tell. And then we come to God in the same way that we, we come to the throne of grace before God and we're like, like is this going to take long, God? Is this going to take too long? I'm just going to go and try and figure it out on my own. I'm just going to... That's what we've lost is the real urgency, the real passion, the real persistence in prayer. And we so quickly lose heart. Even the things that we know that only God can do and we read scripture, we're sure God wants to do it. You know, sometimes we ask, for, for, we come to God and we're like, I don't know if really God wants to do this. This is my desire, God's desire. But sometimes we know that only God can do something. We look in the scripture and we're like, this is what God wants to do. It says it right here. And so we start praying about it. But then three days later, we get all like, oh, he's not answering, he's not answering. Getting there and getting antsy. Is this going to take long? And then a week later, we're like, maybe we don't physically, but we, check, we stroke it off the list and move on to something else because we just assume God's not going to answer. And because of our impatience, we lose heart. And we get discouraged and we get disenchanted and we get dissuaded with the thing that we need to do the most, which is praying. And then we start thinking that there's no point to praying, and so I may as well watch TV or clean the kitchen or read a novel. And before you know it, we talk about prayer a lot, but we've completely lost heart. God just wants to encourage us to not lose heart in prayer. 
To not, to not buy into this like genie in a bottle. This is instant. Like, like God still hears and God still answers, but, but, but we serve God. God doesn't serve us. Amen. And I know it's hard. I'm with you at the same place. I'm just as impatient with my prayers as you are. I just am just as prone to lose heart in my prayers. I need to encourage them as much as you do. But what God wants us to know today is that, that He is listening. And, and even though we can't see Him and we can't see His answers, things are happening behind the scenes that only God can see and understand. And God is going to answer our prayers in His time, in His way. All our tasks to do is to keep believing that we have a God who hears and answers our prayers. Even when we go to the spiritual mailbox every single day to look for His answer and it's not there. Even we wake up going to the spiritual email box going like, is my answer here? Is my answer here? It's not here. And anyone get discouraged sometimes with praying? Just me and Brian. Good, our elders are standing beside ourselves. I know that some of you in this place just need to hear this right now before we move any further, that, that you cannot give up in your prayers. I don't know what you've been praying for. I don't know what's on your heart. And I don't know what you've been praying for a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. But there's maybe even God's revealing it right now. There's some things in your life that, man, you used to pray for so diligently. You used to be so convinced that God was going to do something. And then he didn't act when you thought he would act and how you thought he'd act. And so you've completely given up. Can I lovingly and firmly encourage you to not give up on what God is calling you to pray for? For when we give up, you know what we do? We miss out on the answers to prayer that God is going to do through our prayers that we gave up on three years ago. So if we're going to pray like never before, the first thing is this, is ask God, God, help me not lose heart in my prayers. Help me not lose heart in my prayers. Help me have a belief in you that supersedes any of this human flesh that comes into my prayers. Because according to this passage, God wants us to not just tap on the door to heaven. God wants us to pound on the doors of heaven until we see God answer our prayers. Amen? That didn't work so well. Goes on to say this. Put the second point up. Goes on to say this. This is how God wants us to pray. God wants me to pester him, to pester him with my requests. God wants me to pester him with my requests. And, and this is the whole point of this passage. Here's how we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to pray like the persistent widow. In a certain city, there's a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Obviously, he's not a very good judge. There's also a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God or respect man, because this widow keeps bugging me, I'm going to give her justice and she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Many things going on here, but one of the things that God wants us to get from this text is this. God wants me to be like the widow and pester him with my requests. In my own words, here's what's happening. There's this little pompous judge, pictured like a, a little man with probably a tight, tight tie and his shirt all tucked in, like sitting at his desk all thinking he's all smart, you know, and I got this position, I got this power. And, and yet this little widow comes in who's got no one on her side and, and she's being mistreated in some way. We don't know what it is. Maybe her, her landlord is, is ripping her off of rent or some injustice there. Or her mortgage holder's trying to raise his interest rates. We don't know, but all we know is this, is that she's got nothing to her creditor aid, apart from her only hope is this, this little judge that she's going to hopefully get to act on her behalf, the one who has the power to do it. So she comes strolling on in, and the judge is like, it's, it's obviously a big deal to her because she kept coming, but to the judge, it's like, it's no big deal. Like, get lost. You're wasting my time. This isn't adding to my prestige or my fame, you know? And so he kind of brushes her off, and instead of going away dejected and never coming back, she's a persistent little old lady, eh? I already like her audacity already. She keeps coming, and she's like... Me again. He's like, ah. Oh. He's like, go away, go away, go away. So she goes away. Me again. Finally, this judge gets so exasperated. He's like, it's like the dripping faucet. Like, this lady is driving me crazy. He's like, fine, fine, fine. I'll give you whatever you want just so you'll go away. And he finally relents because of her what? Persistence. 
You're like, that's a little weird because God's not like that. Correct. God is not like that. We're going to get to that in a minute. This is actually a, a God showing us his character by an exact opposite negative of, of his character. But, but the point of the first point I want to get to is this. God wants me to pester him with my request, just like the persistent widow. To keep coming and coming and coming and coming to God until we see God answering our prayers. Instead of losing heart, God wants us to pray and pray and pray some more until we see the heavens opened and the answer of God coming down. That's how God wants us to pray. Gotta be honest with you, I read this passage that all week I've been studying it and I have just been asking myself this question Do I really know how to pray? I think I know how to pray, and I can say a prayer in front of you guys. You hear me pray every week, but 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 if this is what God wants for me in prayer, do I do I really know how to pray? Have I really tapped into the the, the resource of prayer to its full capacity, the way that God calls us to? Because I got to be honest, I don't think we know how to pray in North America. If, like I said in the first sermon of this prayer series, the average person prays for three minutes a day, then we have no idea what it is to pound on the door of heaven in persistent prayer. And yet what God wants to teach us is to to really pray the Bible way and to pray with all that we have and to to call on God in, in, in as much emphaticness and expectancy and endurance as we can. This is what we learn from the persistent widow. God desires my prayers to be three things. Number one is emphatic. It's not in the text, but you just see it in her character. She was an emphatic little lady. By emphatic, I mean she, she, she's audacious. Her whole heart was in it. She went to that judge like it mattered. And if the judge didn't answer, she was done. Obviously, she had a little bit of something going on. She kept coming and coming and coming. God wants us to pray emphatically, with urgency, boldly. It took a lot for this lady to keep going back again and again and again. I sometimes think that we have lost all boldness in our prayers. We go once, if God doesn't answer, we're done. We pray these little superficial kind of little wimpy prayers, and yet God wants us to boldly come and ask for the things that we need the most from Him. With the understanding that if God doesn't do it, I have no other recourse. That's that's the emphaticness we have to come to God with. God wants us to come expectantly, believing that He has the power to do whatever He wills to do. James chapter 1, it says that we need to ask God and come before him. If we ask God, if we ask God, but we waver, we're just like a, and we don't believe, we're just like a wave that's tossed to and fro by the wind. We shouldn't expect to get anything from God, but if we come to God in faith, believing that he is the God of the universe, that hears and answers prayers, we should expect that he will act upon uh, what we're asking in a way that's going to be most beneficial for us in honoring to him. We're supposed to be expected in our prayers. Sometimes I think we can just gravitate to the, we know we're supposed to pray, so we say the right thing and then move on, and that we're not expecting God to do anything in our prayers. This lady kept coming back because she expected, eventually, this guy's going to do something for me. I shared with you before, I grew up in a church that, that prayed, but we would pray these prayers that, that, honestly, there was no expectancy that God was going to answer. I remember going to hospital visits with, with, with a pastor that I worked underneath, and we pray with the man because that's what we're supposed to do because he's in the hospital but then we're not time done praying it was sort of like God if you want to maybe you should I don't know like maybe he I walked out going like if it's up to our prayers like that guy's done like when's his funeral because of a fear to pray bold and expectant prayers before the Lord but yet this is what this widow does she prays in faith Before she knocked on the door, I believe she already was looking for the answer. Before we dial up heaven, I believe we need to be looking for the answer, expecting to see where God is going to move and work. That's the second thing. Third thing is this, enduring, persistent is what she was. She was emphatic, she was expectant, and she was enduring. She was persistent. And wasn't embarrassed to go back again and again and again and again. We need to be enduring in our prayers, determined that it's on our knees or not at all. To even plow through the hard times, to fight through the unbelief. You ever get hard times and unbelief in your prayers? We all do, so we fight through those things. Our struggle with prayers that we give up far too soon. 
And we don't see the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of others around us. Whereas prayer, biblically prayer is this. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. Discipline, get me away from that word. Yet prayer is a spiritual discipline. You know what that means? It means it doesn't always come easy. I mean, sometimes there's sweat and there's toil and there's tears and it feels a whole lot more like work than going to work. But yet that is what prayer biblically is because it declares our dependency on God. And God, I know you're my only hope, so I'm going to work at this thing. Even when I don't feel like it or it doesn't seem like things are happening, this is what prayer is biblically. It's enduring prayer. Prayers that show God that my heart is so dependent on him. These are the prayers God's compelled to answer, the persistent knocking, knocking, knocking. I understand it, but somehow we've come to understand, we've come to think that maybe God's going to be bothered by that and God's going to be annoyed by that. And so, But yet we as earthly fathers don't mind when our kids come to us. Our kids know how to ask this way, don't they? Anyone, dad or mom here? Our kids know how to ask this way for sure, don't they? Borderline annoying. We're just like the judge. I learned a lot of lessons from my daughter, Maya. And as you know, she's special needs. And, and she teaches me more lessons than I think I need to learn. And every time I look at her, I look at her and say, man, she is what I am spiritually. She doesn't quite get it all, but she still loves her dad. And that's the main thing, right? And one of Maya's things is that when she gets focused on something, there's like no turning back. There's like no tunnel vision, no turning back. It's all over. And so... Please never tell her she's going to come to your house next week, this week, because then all week long, all we're going to hear about is, go to your house now, 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 literally all week. So one of her favorite things is videos. And so she often will say, it doesn't matter what day or night of time it is, she'll wake up and she'll, as soon as her eyes wake up, she thinks video. She'll be like, dunk, video. Before o'clock in the morning sometimes, she'll be out in my bed like, dad, can I watch a video? No. Go back to bed. Back to bed. A few minutes later, Pops, you still awake? Yes, I am. Can I watch a video? No. Then you hear like tiptoeing past my side to Ruth's side going like, Mom, Mom, can I watch a video? And I'll be like, Maya! And then you wake up in the morning, you come out of your room, and as you're walking past her room, she's like, Pops? Yes. Can I watch a video? Honestly, you're not supposed to put videos on for your kids all the time, but there's sometimes you just have to. <laughs> and we'll lay in bed at night going, if she asks one more time, I am going to snap. I am going to jump out the window. I don't know what I'm going to do, but like... I get so annoyed by that. And yet this is the way God is asking us to call out to him. Whenever the little eyes open, if there's something, maybe not a video, but there's something neat on our heart, we're to call out to God and say, God, 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 God. Maya knows that I love her. She knows that I'm a good dad. She knows. And so she's not intimidated to ask. She's not shy to ask. She knows what she's going to get. And boy, is she going to get it. I'm not saying you can manipulate our Heavenly Father, but this is the same principle that we have here. God wants us to ask and he's not up in heaven when he hears our voice in the middle of the night. He's not like, I'm trying to get some sleep now. That's not God. God's always awake. He doesn't slumber or sleep. Psalms tell us, right? And so the little voice, your little voice calls out to God in the middle of the night to, for whatever that's on your heart. You know what he does? He doesn't like, Argh! you know what he does? He's like, oh, my child, I hear their voice again. That's my little girl. That's my little boy. They're calling out for me. It does joy to his heart. I know some of you are like, man, I just don't want to pray that way. I don't want God to be my genie in a bottle. Good, I'm glad you don't want God to be your genie in a bottle because we serve him. He doesn't serve us. At the same point, we can't miss this call to ask. Some of you are like, well, I don't want to seem too needy to God. It seems like That just seems needy, doesn't it? Well, we are already completely dependent on God in everything, for every breath, for everything we have. So throw that one out. Well, I don't want to be a pest. Clearly, this passage, God's showing us that you aren't being a pastor. In fact, he asks for that. He invites that. So you're not being a pastor. You're not bothering your heavenly father. I don't know if God's going to give me what I asked for, so I'm not going to bother asking. You're right. He might not give you what you asked for. He gives you what you need. But sometimes when we ask, he even throws in those little blessings, little extras of just because he loves us, right? The little... 
things we didn't expect, we ask, and he gives us even more than we ask for sometimes. The point is this, we can't miss out on the ask, and we miss out on the full presence and blessing of our Heavenly Father. Because here's the other side of this. We learned we were supposed to pray like the persistent widow. Here's the other side of this. Is that God's not like the unrighteous judge. This is one of those weird passages that teach us about God's character by showing us the exact opposite of his nature. But God is not like the unrighteous judge. God's not even like an imperfect father like me. God is perfectly the opposite of the unrighteous judge. Look what it says here in verse verse 7. So we get the story, right? And verse... Uh, 7, it says, And will not God... So here, verse 6, and hear what the Lord says. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Here's what this, this guy who's, who's not at all like God. Here's what he says. He says, he'll give it to her. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? So if, if this dirty, rotten scoundrel responds this way, how much more would God, who is good and loving and righteous and kind, respond to those whom he has elected or called to be his children out of the world by the sacrifice of his son Jesus? How much more will he respond to the cries of his children day and night? The answer is like far beyond God is good. And he's the exact opposite of the righteous judge. Everything that the judge is in this text, God isn't. Everything the judge isn't, God is. So this is no way, is this supposed to show, well, that's what God's like. God's not like that at all. That's the whole point of the text. Look at some of the things the wicked judges that help us see the opposite of what is true about our good father. The wicked judge is morally Backwards, He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't fear God nor respect man. He's morally backwards, but God is totally righteous. He is God and he, he loves those whom he's created. And he does good in every circumstance. It's the exact opposite. The judge here couldn't care less. The judge is pushing her off, pushing her off, pushing her off. Our God is deeply compassionate. God has a heart for his children. He cares when we come knocking on his door. The judge completely turns his back on this lady. He says, like, go away and don't come back. God's the opposite. When we knock on his door, he opens the door and he, he welcomes us with open arms. He says, come in, come and fellowship, my child. Let me hear what's on your heart. The judge was annoyed by this request. God delights to hear our requests. The judge even answers. Why does he ultimately answer? So that she won't come back. He's like, this woman is driving me crazy. God actually answers, not to push us away, but he answers to draw us near, to draw us nearer to himself. That's why God answers. And maybe if he doesn't answer the way you think, it's because he's a, he knows that if he answers that way, you're going to run away instead of coming closer. The judge puts it off. For God, it's his top priority. God's not the wicked judge. God is the good father. And God wants you to bring every single request to him directly. That's why he sent Jesus. If he didn't care about this stuff, he wouldn't have sent Jesus Christ to not only forgive us for our sins, but to provide a way for us to have access to his throne room in prayer. Jesus shows us that God's heart is that he wants to know and hear what's on our hearts. And what this woman ultimately needs is justice. It's really not the main theme of this, but it comes up, so I'm going to explain it to you. She says, give me justice here. This woman was vulnerable and in need, the same way we as believers are in this world. In a hostile world, we're vulnerable. We are in need, and when we call out to God, God doesn't stand by idly and watch his elect get abused and mistreated. He doesn't. God guards his children like a zealous father would guard his daughters from the lineup of bozos at the door looking for a date. God guards his children like a mother cub would take care of her cubs when danger comes. Because God is good. And he is righteous. And he is just. It means he'll give you justice. It means he'll always do what is right by his children. He'll always do what is just and right by his children every single time. Even if you don't understand it, 
God will always do what's righteous and just by you at every time you pray. In every circumstance. And he says to us, just call upon me and I will answer. This is, this is God's open invitation to ask. This is God's open invitation to ask. This is, this is God reminding us this morning that if we've stopped asking for something specifically that God needs to do, that God wants to do in our lives, we need to start asking again. This is a reminder for us that that for the unsaved loved ones, we know God wants people to know Him as Savior. For the unsaved loved ones in our lives that we really so desperately wanted to introduce to Jesus, we used to pray consistently for them, but we've forgotten about that for a long time now. God's reminding us, hey, come and start knocking on the door of heaven again for those that you love so deeply. And don't give up. I'm good. I want to hear and answer your prayers. Don't give up. I think I've shared this with you before, but it comes to my mind as I prepared again this persistent prayer. It's a, a pastor couple I used to work with way back when. I stopped to see them with my son about a year ago. And as we're driving by their house, I said, hey, let's stop in and see Don and Grace. And so we stopped in, and Don wasn't home, but Grace was. And they're quite up in their age now. Grace is about 85 or 90. Looks about 100, to put it in context. And so she's, she's about this tall, humped over, and I just kind of knocked on the door, and she was so glad to see us and asked how she was doing. And and I had a little small chat, and I said, so what's new? And she's like, oh, Daryl, you'll never believe what's new. My son's standing back, kind of eyes wide, and she's like, remember our daughter who we prayed for so diligently? This is 10 years ago now. Remember our daughter we prayed for so diligently that 10 years ago when we were working together? I said, yeah. She's like, guess what? After 30 years, God answered our prayers. She had little tears in her eyes, little tears in her eyes, running down her cheeks. As the story goes, their daughter, here's a, their daughter at 14 rebelled against the family and took off and for 30 years from 14 to 44 she was sort of in and out but disengaged after 30 years of praying that daughter came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and her husband was saved and their friends were being transformed and Grace looked at me in the eye of the way out and she's like and, and if you didn't get anything out of this conversation just tell everybody in your church who has unsaved loved ones to not quit praying to pray the persistent widow and pray and pray and pray until God answers this passage is a reminder that we need to, to, to not quit pulling on God's arm for the loved one that doesn't know Jesus. This passage reminds us that we, we don't have to quit knocking on God's door to fill all of our needs according to his glorious riches, as Philippians 4.19 says. For God will supply all our needs according to his glorious riches. We, obviously, that context is financial and physical, but yet all of our needs is, are filled in Jesus Christ according to his glorious riches. Our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our relational needs, our emotional needs, and our social needs. And we don't have to be shy to, to come and ask God for the things that we need the most that only God can give. We don't have to figure it out. We don't got to try and fill them on our own. God delights in us coming and persistently asking for Him to fill our needs. We don't have to think that we're bothering God when we come to the things of the spiritual nature, the, the things of our soul that, that we're so desperately longing for and we sometimes we're afraid to ask because it's being selfish. The, the, the fact that we want comfort maybe from the loved one who's passed on and we just can't seem to find comfort. It's not wrong to ask God consistently for that comfort that he promises to give. Or maybe it's the peace that we just can't get peace in our hearts. We've prayed a little bit, but we, we feel like we're being selfish. We don't... God wants us to keep praying until the peace of Jesus floods our soul. And, and the problem is not that God doesn't want to act. It's that we've been too flippant and inconsistent in our prayers. It's not wrong to come and ask God for security and joy and hope in the most dire circumstances. It's not wrong to ask God. We've been struggling with, with feeling okay with ourselves for years. It's not wrong to ask God to help us find our identity in Jesus Christ and to ask until he gives us. It's not wrong to ask God to, the, the anxiety that plagues us to come and say, God, I want the peace that takes away my fear and anxiety. It's not wrong to ask God for those things, but we need to ask until he answers. It's not wrong to ask God. He's not going to brush us off for continually asking him to forgive for forgiveness and restoration that need to happen in our relationships. God hasn't given up on them. We shouldn't give up on them. God wants us to, to, to ask for forgiveness and reconciliation in our relationships. I think that's a word for someone in here today. 
God wants you to keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. God doesn't want you to quit asking for the Lord to break you of your sin or someone you love of that frustrating sin that is killing them. God doesn't want you to accept that. Well, this is going to be my norm. I asked for a week and now it's going to be my norm. God wants you to persistently say, God, break this chain of sin that is crippling my life or the life of my love. God wants you to pray and pray and pray until that chain is broken. God wants you to know that he's not going to automatically flip up the clothes on on his clinic when you come and ask for physical healing and physical newness. God is still a God that heals when he chooses for his purposes. He's still a God that heals. God wants you to continue to knock on his door for leading and for safety and for family and for physical and spiritual protection. God's not intimidated by your prayers. In fact, this is telling us anything. If you pray the same thing every day, the same things we need every day, if you pray that every day, it's, God doesn't get bored of that. It doesn't become stale to God. It's not like, oh, you prayed for this yesterday. Because he knows we need it again today. Every week we get up there and we pray before every service and after every service we pray. And we pray kind of the same things, but we realize that, that God doesn't get bored of those prayers. God's not like, like think of something new, Daryl, because we need the same things every week. We need humility. We need power. We need God's word to change us and penetrate our hearts. We need our people to come in and and be impacted by the word of God and to see Jesus. God loves those prayers. And God loves it when we pray eagerly and expectantly and endlessly, not just for ourselves, but for our family, for our church, for our community, for our country, and for our entire world. If we really want to get the fullness out of our prayer lives, we've given you a couple things already. You praise God, you repent, and here's the asking part. The asking part would be so, it's it's such a, this isn't the only part, but it is part of it. This is a a quarter of our prayer time. And the asking part shouldn't just be about me and my needs. The asking part should be interceding for other believers and for our community and for our country. And Well, God doesn't hear those. Yes, he does. Just think about this. You know, the the average is three minutes a day. Think about this. If you just spend some time praising God, that's going to take a good couple minutes. Sometime repenting of God for... It's going to for sure take a couple minutes for all of us, right? And then a little bit of time asking God for the things that you need most from Him and the things that the people around you need the most. Even if it's just, your, just ask God for the needs in your small group, you're already up to like 15, 20 minutes a day and it hasn't, it hasn't been boring, that's for sure. And your prayer life comes alive in Jesus. What's this whole thing tell us? God wants us to pound and pound and pound and pound until he answers. And it says here that God will answer us. He will give us justice to the elect, to those he calls out of the world by his grace, through faith and repentance, who cry out to him day and night. And he won't delay long over them. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. He's going to answer us speedily. You're like, already I know that's not true because I've been praying something for a long time. God hasn't answered me speedily. This isn't speedily as in like my version of speedily. It's not speedily as in like your version of speedily. This is God's speed. In other words, he's going to answer you not a second too early, not a second too late, just in time, in the way that's most profitable for your life, in a way that he's going to get the glory. For this lady, justice delayed is still justice. For you and I, answered, delayed answers are still answered. We just have to trust that, that God knows best and he has not yet messed up on one life. He's not yet missed one prayer request. He's not yet had one stuck in the trash box instead of his inbox. He's not yet shown up on time because he's got distracted. God will always, always come through for us in his speedily manner what is best to him. We ask from the heart. God answers according to his will. Obviously for this lady, God's will wasn't the first knock. He gets it. She gets it. God has something to teach her. God has some things to work out behind the scenes. We pray according to God's will. We pray according to God's will. We don't lose heart in our prayers. And this is the prayer God answers, the prayer according to his will. Obviously, it's God's will that we see justice. This lady knew that it's will that God is a just God. He wants justice. 
We need to pray according to God's will. It says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. I just want to, just so you don't leave here going like, well, I'm asking for a Mercedes. God's going to give me a Mercedes instantly. I should go be home and find it in my driveway. It's not the way it works. Some people have degraded prayer to that in our society. You chuckle, but that's the way some people think of it. Well, I, God says, ask anything I want. Well, here's what I want, God. I've already told you the first sermon. God's not like a, a pagan. Even the pagan gods don't have a blank check idea where you just get whatever you want from God. God says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, ask anything according to my will and, he, and I will hear and you can be confident you'll get an answer. So as we pound on the gates of heaven, we pound on the doors of heaven, we ask saying, God, here's what I desire, but more than anything, I want your will be done. Matthew 26, that's how Jesus prayed, right? Here he is standing at the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows the path. He knows it's going to be painful. He knows it's going to be hard. He knows his father's going to turn his face from him. He knows ultimately that's the, the, the path he would not prefer to take. But what did Jesus say? He says, God... If possible, take this, this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So ultimately, we pray all these things. Just couldn't leave you with any misconceptions here this morning. Ultimately, we pray all these things. First and foremost, for God's will, in God's will, for his kingdom and his glory. For God's will, in, for his kingdom and in, for his glory. And when these are our goals, there's no limit to his generosity and his desire to answer our prayers. James tells us we sometimes don't get the answers to our prayers because we ask selfishly to spend it on ourselves. But in fact, scriptures say when we ask for God's glory, for his kingdom according to his will, God will be delighted to hear and answer our prayers. And so when do I stop praying? The last verse tells us when to stop praying. Never. He says, I'll tell you this. He'll give justice to them speedily in God's time by his perfect plan. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Basically, what this is saying is this. I only stop praying. I only stop praying when I meet Jesus. When do you stop praying? When do you, when do you stop asking God for things? When you stop breathing is when you stop praying. When do I stop interceding for people, other people, uh, on behalf of other people? When Jesus comes back for you is when you stop praying. What if I don't feel like prayer is working? Well, you have faith to keep praying, that persistent widow. What if I don't feel like it? You keep praying. What if I don't want to? We really have no choice in this. According to this verse, when Jesus comes back, you know what's going to define the faithful? Those who are praying. You know, it's going to define the faithful, those who are praying. We often hear, when Jesus comes back, I'm going to recognize his voice. I'm going to know his voice. Well, guess what? When Jesus comes back, there's another side of this. He's going to know who are his. You know how? Because he's going to recognize your voice from persistent praying. So the question is, when Jesus comes back, will there be any faith on the earth? The faith is the persistent widow. When Jesus comes back, will he he'd be like, oh, I recognize that voice. I've heard from that voice every single day for the last 15 years. My child's been calling out to me. I know that voice. I'm here, son, daughter. I know. I hear you. According to this, faith is praying, and praying is faith. There's no way around it. When we have faith, we pray. The posture of a faithful life is on its knees. The, pro, the, the posture of a fruitful life is on its knees. The posture of, posture of a life found in Christ is bowed before God on a consistent basis. So yes, we praise God. Yes, we repent. But there is no shortage of things to ask for God's help in that we are desperately in need of. Amen. So this is our encouragement to pray like never before. This is an encouraging passage. This is our encouragement to pray like never before. Seniors, this is an encouragement to you. Your your prime of your prayer life is never up. Seniors, the prime of your prayer life is never up. It's not passing on to the next generation. You are called to be in persistent prayer. Middle ages, your prayer life doesn't start when the kids all move out, when you have time. Now's the time where we persistently seek the Lord in prayer. We need him now as much as we will in the future. College and university students, when do you set up this pattern in your life today? It's not when you graduate university or college that now all of a sudden, well, I'm going to get out through those things when I graduate. No, the pattern of your lives are being developed right now today. No better time to seek the Lord for his guidance and his direction for your life than right now. 
in the lives of those around you, junior hires and, high school, and senior hires, do you realize the profound difference you can make in people's lives as you pray? You don't have to be like 12 to pray. You don't have to be 18 to pray. You can pray right now persistently like the widow in faith with childlike faith. Just come, God, here's where it's at. And do you realize, church, if we stop asking God, God stops moving? We stop praying, God stops moving. We take for granted all that God has done and all that is doing, and our prayers stop ascending. Guess what? God's presence stops descending to us. God wants us to pray like never before. And he wants us to ask with persistence, not a, but to pound on the doors of heaven until we see God answer. That's the pattern of prayer in Scripture. So worship team comes, let me leave you with this thought from E.M. Bounds, the power of prayer as we persistently seek God like the persistent widow. E.M. Bounds in the weapon of prayer says this, God has of his own motion placed himself under the law of prayer and has obligated himself to answer the prayers of men. He has ordained prayer as a means whereby he will do things through men as they pray which he would not otherwise do. You hear that? He's ordained prayer as a means whereby he will do things through men as they pray, which he would not otherwise do. If prayer puts God to work on earth, then by the same token, prayerlessness rules God out of the world's affairs and prevents him from working. The driving power, the, conse- the conquering force in God's cause is God himself. And prayer puts God in full force into God's work. And this is why we started the new year with prayer. This whole series on prayer, because when God comes back, I pray that he will find the faithful right here in this church seeking his face in prayer. Let me pray. Father, it's really not that complicated. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You spell it out for us in your word, what it means to be a people who seek passionately after the face of our God. I simply pray today, God, that you'd use now the last four sermons to help us see the awesome privilege and power of prayer. If you're going to motivate us for anything, God, I pray you'd motivate us to be a people who pray. God, I pray for those in our church who've lost heart in their prayers, who are struggling to pray, who are struggling to believe that you still love them and you're still good, who've given up on a loved one or given up on asking you for the fullness of life inside of them of which only you can give. Oh God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit right now you'd revive in all of us faith and urgency and dependence and persistence to really pray. We don't want to superficially pray anymore, God. We want to really pray. We want to pound on the doors of heaven until we see you answer. Please, oh God, do your work in us that we be of the ones that when you come back, we wouldn't just recognize your voice, but you'd recognize ours from hours and hours and hours of persistent prayer glory of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.